Hello and welcome to the Celtic View podcast. Martin Dale here and I'm joined by Celtic View editor Paul Cuddehy. How are you doing Martin? I'm very good, thank you Paul. And Celtic View reporter Mark Henderson. Hi Martin. Now we're on the cusp of Derby Day this Saturday and everyone at Celtic is ready to see the Hoops take on their city rivals in a top of the table clash. Only one point separates the sides before Saturday's high noon showdown at Paradise. And coming up on this week's pod we've got a clip of our exclusive interview with Celtic defender Colo Turi which you'll be able to read the full version of in the official match programme if you're coming to the game on Saturday. Now, before we get into that, however, we've got a short segment of our chat with Hoop star Scott Sinclair, who's the main interview for this week in the Celtic View. In an extensive conversation with the Englishman, he talks about his own experiences of derby days with Swansea and explains exactly why winning for the fans is all that matters. I think derbies make a difference because it's, it's, it's massive. I think um, you know either side of the fans want to win. I think it's more of a game that you want to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in my experience of the derbies is it's basically all for the fans. Yeah, I mean, do you remember what was your kind of first football derby memory? Do you remember watching anything on the uh, telly or going to a game? Um, no, I can't really think. No. Nah. What with these those games themselves? Do you have much memories of sort of playing in derbies as a player? Well, when I was uh, at Swansea, it was the, I think it was like a bubble game, so where fans could only go to the game unless they got onto the coach. Right. So uh, all the Swansea fans had to get on a coach to travel down to Cardiff. Right, OK. So you couldn't just be around and get your ticket and go around the stadium and get in. You, you had to, to be, be on, passed you in, to be on the coach, yeah, and then the police would get you in. Is that because of the, the rivalry was so intense? And yeah, I'd probably say the rivalry was so intense, and obviously through all the... With the police and stuff. Yeah, I mean, what was that? What was that like? Like as a derby itself, do you remember much about the atmosphere and stuff from the games? Um, well, yeah, it's always a massive, much more bigger atmosphere. Like I said, just be with the fans. Both teams want to win, mm-hmm. and it just seems more of a a bigger game than than the normal the normal games. And what's the kind of sense of achievement like when you come off to the pitch after a after a win is it just relief or is it a real sense of joy no as a sense it's great it's, it's it's great for you know a great feeling when you do win a derby and then you come off and everyone's so happy in the fans and obviously our fans and when you do win they got bragging rights for the next day to work in work mm-hmm. I mean, is that something important <clears> to you as well like it's, i imagine for the players being involved in a derby, the, the, it must change the atmosphere uh, before and after, especially if you win. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know you go out there, you're trying to work as hard as you can to get the win. Um, but you know it's just another game. But it's the same thing. It's just with derbies. I think the atmosphere is a little bit different than, than a normal game. Celtic winger Scott Sinclair talking about the drama of the South Wales derby there. And Paul, you've got to believe that Sinclair's experience uh, from his time at Swansea is going to stand him in good stead for the, the weekend's match. Yeah, I mean, I think Martin, his, his experience just in general, you know, I think he was a great signing. The fact he's, I think he's 27 now, so he's got a wealth of experience behind him at the highest level. So I think he'll be relishing this fixture. Um, I think he'll be looking forward to a big game. I mean, he started fantastically well three goals in his first three league games. He'll be looking to add to that anyway. But as you were saying, it's quite interesting listening to him talking about the 
the the Welsh derby, Swansea versus Cardiff. I think you know if when you're in the middle of that, as he describes it, is quite an intense derby. I mean, there's only I think it's only about twenty miles or so between the two cities, but there is an intense rivalry between the two of them. And, and for a lot of years, that was never in the top flight of of English football. But you know, certainly Swansea are on the up and up, and certainly under Brendan Rodgers when. Scott Sinclair were there. It was Swansea who were were on the rise, but certainly he'll he'll tap into that. You know, as I'm sure uh, Brendan Rodgers will as well. Of course, he's had the experience of other derbies, but you know, Scott Sinclair were looking for him as one of the key players on Saturday, and, and I just have this feeling he's going to deliver on the big stage. I mean, there's derbies all over the world that uh, sort of have attention really only in their own country. I think the the Glasgow Derby is one that certainly takes on a global significance given Celtic's fan base and how far that stretches. But it must be interested, interesting for a, you know, a player to be involved, Mark, in a, in a derby like the South Wales Derby where, as you mentioned, Paul, for a long time and it wasn't really in the you know the public eye in the sense that it wasn't in the Premier League. Yeah, I think um, it really came to the fore in the last couple of years, particularly when you know Cardiff got into the Premier League alongside Swansea. And even before that in the championship, um, it is a fiercely contested match, as uh, Scott talked about in the interview. Uh, you know, <laughs> having the, the fans having to be bussed in from city to city, you know, um, just underlines the, the real ferocity of the rivalry uh, there in South Wales. So, I mean, it's good. I think as a player, you know, it's always good to get that experience under your belt uh, when you go into another derby match. And it's just going to serve Scott well for this match at Celtic Park, albeit... This one's going to be in front of 60,000. I'm sure the atmosphere, despite the, the rivalry in South Wales, will be even louder than you would get at Swansea or Cardiff. Um, so, but as as Paul mentioned as well, Scott is playing so well just now. He must be full of confidence. He looks to fit it in seamlessly into Brendan Rodgers' side, uh, linking up well with Lee Griffiths and the other attackers in the Celtic lineup. So you just expect him to thrive in the atmosphere and produce another good performance and hopefully build in his goals that he's got so far. Yeah, I mean, I think the other the other point when, when Scott's talking about his time at Swansea is it's, I always think it's different as well when it's a rivalry between different cities. You know, I think any any derby in the world, whether it's, you know, the Milan derby or even the Madrid derby, you know, particularly since Atletico Madrid have, have re-emerged. I think when it's in a city, it's it's a completely different thing. Obviously, as I mentioned, Swansea and Cardiff, there's not too much of a distance between them, but it, it'd be different if it was two teams in Swansea, for example. And I think that just gives it a different, I suppose, a different edge as well. But, um, you know, as you said, it's, it's an experience that, you know, I'm sure he and the rest of the players will be looking forward to uh, this weekend. I mean, looking ahead to our own game on Saturday, sort of four goals and six games for Scott Sinclair, I guess there's no real better way for him to be going into that match. And How much do you think his, his personal confidence, given his fantastic start to his Celtic career, will be playing a factor for him in the game? Well, I mean, I think just the very fact that as soon as we got the penalty against Aberdeen, he would be sure. <laughs> I mean, he won it, but he, he, was, he was taking that penalty. And I think as a striker... Obviously, Moussa Dembele was disappointed because, you know, as a striker, he wants to score. But when Scott Sinclair is just in, on this run where he probably goes into every game thinking he's going to score. And and one of the big things he made, the virtue he made of coming here, was the fact that he wanted to enjoy his football again. He wanted to get his confidence back. I think you see that already. And as I say, three three league goals and three league games, you know, he, he must feel that, uh, you know, he's he's on fire at the moment. What's impressed me most about Scott so far is when I saw Scott play down in English football, I always associated him with spectacular goals, long-range finishes. But at Celtic, it's the amount of great positions he gets in the box. I mean, every single match he's played, 
he gets three or four great goal scoring opportunities he's got that real knack of timing his runs well from deep and getting into the box and you know even if he's not scored in the games he's had several chances and uh, it just shows that he's got that to his game as well and but the good thing at Celtic is you've got so many different attacking players getting involved in the final third that it allows Scott to, to make those runs into the box and support Lee Griffiths or Moussa Dembele and as Paul said, you just expect him to get chances at the weekend and with the form and confidence he's got, you expect him to find, him, find the net. And that's one of the things you can read in the, this, the full extended version of the interview in this week's Celtic View, kind of broken down uh, Scott's six games for Celtic so far and four goals in six of them but also looked at the games that he didn't score and a lot of the time you find him having an impact with off with his off the ball movement you know drawing defenders out of the way um, or his link up play as well and it's, it's kind of that whole uh, his all round approach to the game which you, you really see is making an impact for Celtic just now He just brings something different in that final third of the pitch you know, we've had players in the past couple of years who've got pace, who can, you know, beat opponents a bit trickily. But Scott, as you alluded to there, Martin, he's got that off-the-ball movement. He makes really intelligent runs. And it just seems to... It's a nice blend there in that attacking part of the pitch. Lee Griffiths likes to run in behind. James Forrest has got that pace. Scott sort of drifts inside that inside left position and come inside, can go outside. And then you've got Tom Rogic pulling the strings... And, you know, that'll be interesting to see if that is the, the four that line up at the weekend. That's the four that Brendan Rodgers has preferred in recent matches. But there are so many options there, particularly with Patrick Roberts coming back. I mean, if Sinclair uh, does start, I'll, I'll direct this question at yourself, Paul. Um, if James Tavernier starts, uh, it, it gives you that sort of clash of styles there. You know, a really attacking uh midfielder for, for want of a better position really for Scott going up against a really attacking fullback. Now do you, do you think Scott Sinclair is going to be forced to do more tracking back than normal or will it open up doors for him? Well I think it's going to be the other way around actually. I was just going to make that point and, and I think it, it, it's maybe dependent on who's playing on, on the right hand side of midfield maybe against him because down our left flank now as Mark said Scott Sinclair sometimes cuts inside he leaves space for Kieran Tierney to overlap and to me since Tierney's come in he's like a 7 or 8 out of 10 consistently so you know he's going to have a good game you know that the pace of Scott Sinclair and Tavernier is going to have to play more defensively you know normally he would be more attacking and he's, you know, he's scored a fair few goals from right back but I think his job first and foremost will be to stay in that right back position to try and match the run of either Tierney or Sinclair he'll need support from whoever's in front of him that's so therefore that immediately dictates that they're going to be playing more defensive and you're hoping that if we go on the ball you're looking for Scott Sinclair's pace just to bust beyond the back four and that, that kind of stretches you know the opposition and it could be the exact same on the other side Mark depending on who gets the shout out of Patrick Roberts and James Forrest yeah I mean Lee Wallace you know like Tavernier likes to bomb forward um, it's a part of the way Mark Warburton side plays. They always like to get the full-backs out wide, support the attack. Uh, similar to Celtic, in a sense, you know, we see Kieran Tierney or Mikko Lustig and possibly Christian Gamboa could come in as well. They, they you know, show plenty of adventure uh, and like to really provide that width in the attacking third of the pitch. But what that lends is opportunities going forward, and we've got such pace out wide now, you just... Every match we play, we get real joy down the flanks and uh, I think that'll be a real consternation for Rangers uh, at the weekend because they're going to have to really think about that. Probably something they've not come up 
uh, against for a long time. You know that real quality in those wide positions. So it m they may have to adjust their system. So the prospect of a, a real tactical battle already on the cards for the weekend. Now we know it's obviously going to be an excited match, probably one full of emotion on the stands and on the pitch. Uh, but one man who is hoping to keep a clean head, a, a clear head rather during the match is Celtic defender Colo Turi. Now he has almost 20 years of experience under his belt and he has played for Manchester City, Liverpool uh, and Arsenal as well. So some big matches there, obviously played in the Champions League final in 2006 against Barcelona. So he knows what it's all about to play in high pressure matches. And coming up shortly, we've got a clip of Toure, uh, the interview that he did with us for the official match programme for Saturday's Glasgow Derby. And you can listen to that now. I guess it puts you in a really good frame of mind heading into this weekend's game mm. and you have emerged to be you know, a great player for Celtic already mm -hmm. and someone with such vast experience mm -hmm. will be a great help going into this game on Saturday. Of course, I think the team has been doing well, you know, to be honest. And, and this is another game, this is another derby and we all know that derby is really special for the fans mm. and we want to win for them. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing and for me I'm looking forward to it and uh, my teammates are ready, we are all ready, the manager is doing a great job. Mm -hmm. Let's enjoy the day, you yeah. know, let's enjoy the day, give everything, uh, make it exciting, you know, because those games you don't play them often, mm -hmm. you know, and to be able to play this game uh, now for me is amazing, you know, and I will always remember that, you know, and and of course uh, we will do the best to win the game, that's mm -hmm. for sure. And the most important for us is to put the effort. When you give everything in the game, the result is positive, is great, you know. At the same time, when you give everything, you've done everything right, you fight, you did everything, you give your heart, you know, at the end of the day, we will say what will happen, mm -hmm. you know, but the most important, we want to give everything in the day. We want to fight, we want to, to make our fans proud. Mm -hmm. Does that attitude come from your experience of playing in so, like, so many derbies, like at, uh, Liverpool, Manchester City? That's all you can do, mm -hmm. you know, and the f we will focus on the game. Because for us, it means three points and it means a lot for our fans. Mm -hmm. But we... We have to keep the head cool because if we want to deliver, we have to be calm and play our game. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, it means a lot, but at the same time, we are the fighters, you know, and we need to be able to just give everything we got, fight as hard as we can for every single ball and try to win it. Mm -hmm. That's simple as that. So 100% effort is the message from Colo Turi to the Scottish champions and you'd hope that's the message that the boys are going to take on board, Mark? Oh, definitely. I mean, the fans will be up for this game, the players as well, Martin. I think that's beyond doubt. And, uh, you know, it's really fascinating to listen to Colo there, uh, someone that's, you know, come up to the club in recent weeks and you can tell he's really excited about the match, relishing the challenge and, uh, you know, from what I've seen him, he's a really nice guy off the pitch. You can hear that in the interview as well. Uh, you know, a funny, quite funny, light-hearted, really uh, friendly around Lennoxtown. But when he's on that pitch, he's a completely different character. Uh, always motivating his teammates, always cajoling them. And you're just going to see that again on Saturday, I'm sure.
Yeah, I mean, that was the point I was going to make, actually, is that when you, I, I, I like listening to him because he's got a really gentle, quite soft voice, and it's trying to equate that. If you if you hadn't watched Colo playing on the pitch, you, you probably couldn't imagine the type of player he is because he is just imposes himself physically. And, and I think, obviously, all those years of experience as well, that I, I just kind of get the feeling that the rest of the team look automatically for leadership to him. But when you hear him talking... He is just so so softly spoken, but you just know that there's just that focus there, and and you know you you touched on it, Martin, the, the experience that he's got, you know, playing as a really young guy, he's part of that invincible side, playing in the North London derby, he's obviously played in the Merseyside derby, he's played in the Manchester derby, so that kind of experience, just to talk some of the the young guys through this game on Saturday, will be absolutely invaluable. It's really interesting for a guy to have amassed so much experience to be able to look forward to a game like this and, and, and not out of kind of big-headedness or like, you know, overconfidence. He's just, he really enjoys these tests and there's a wee, wee snippet later on in the, the interview as well where he's looking forward to the Champions League and how at 35 he's going to be able to test himself against Leo Messi for the first time. So it must be great for, say, young defenders, Mark, like Kieran Tierney, to be surrounded by someone like uh, Colo Touré and have him sort of direct and play on the pitch for him? Not just uh, Kieran, but even guys like Eric Sviachenko, uh, who you would maybe think is first in the queue to partner uh, Colo, just by judging by recent weeks, Martin. Um, having spoken to Eric, and I know you spoke to him as well, he's alluded to the same thing, that he's delighted that he's playing alongside Colo. He's, he's already learning so much from just how much of a professional he is and even at 35, he still does all the the same things he would he would do, you know, as a younger professional, um, working hard in the gym, uh, working hard on and off the pitch and training. Um, so he's been inspired by Colo, uh, and I think he's relishing the being able to play alongside him and improve his game because Eric's that type of player as well. He's always looking to improve and learn. He's a, a real willing professional too. So um, I think he's having a, a real positive effect on the dressing room itself. I mean, what strikes me just when you were saying there, Mark, is I always remember that great story of when Alec Ferguson signed Cantona and, you know, after they finished training, Cantona, who's the best player in the squad, is going back out with some of the youth players who then, you know, your Beckhams and these guys that came on to be first-team players. And he was practising and, and then the likes of Brian McClare and, and Mark Hughes started to think, well, he's better than us and he's still practising. So we better practice that. I think sometimes it's just leading by examples. You say... Every day, probably the players without Colo Touri maybe always speaking to them. Just his example of how he carries himself, what he does on the pitch and in the gym, they'll just they'll think, well, he's the, the level he's played that, and he's still playing at this level. That's what we have to do, and I think that as much as anything else that he says during a game or on every day must be great for Brendan Rodgers to to let the players tap into. It's that professional attitude that you know. Yeah, to, absolutely. Yeah. To be thirty-five and to have played for three of the biggest teams in in the world, let alone just England, and then to come to Scotland, obviously playing for the Scottish champions, and you're getting to test yourself at the highest level in Europe again. But to still have that excellent attitude, it, from a fan's perspective as well, it's great knowing that that's the way that's that guy's going to be at the heart of your defence going into a massive game. And I like the fact as well that Colo's so excited about this game. Um, I remember an earlier interview I did with Colo um, and he spoke really well to Martin. And uh, he was talking about walking about Glasgow and he thought he'd be fine walking, wearing a hat and he wouldn't be recognised anywhere. <laughs> but nothing prepares you for the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl. Yep. You know, he couldn't believe it that people were still stopping him in the street. 
and I think he's he's enjoying the fact he's in such a, a football driven city. Uh, and at 35, it's a real fresh challenge for him, and he's he's enjoying it. We're looking at the the match itself. Um, John Kennedy was talking about it as well, and so everyone talks about it in the street every time they meet you. It's, it's in the papers as well. But one of the aspects that's probably been glanced over uh, is the league position of both teams. This early in the season, Celtic with a game in hand have a one point lead going into the match. A victory could put us four ahead. So and yet they have that game in hand. So it's it really is a massive game in that context. I mean, I think the, the manager will just. I mean, it's it's as tough a start as as you could have imagined for life in the Premiership. You know, games at, at Ten Castle and McDermott Park, and then a home game against Aberdeen have been our nearest challenges the last few seasons, and we've come through that with flying colours. You know, a hundred percent record. So, the longer that continues, the, the the happier he'll be because obviously that that just breeds confidence. And you know, we've got a massive game coming up on Tuesday night in the New Camp, so there'd be nothing better to go into that game, which is going to it's as tough as you could possibly hope for with a, a Derby victory. And I think it'll be vital Colo uh, and the rest of the defenders will probably have the, the biggest job on Saturday if you look at the strength of Mark Warburton's team. It is in the attacking part of the pitch. You know, they, they've got some really good players there um, and that's where their main strength is going forward so vital uh, that we stay tight at the back and that will give us that platform to, to hopefully hit and you know, show our attacking credentials and, and really punish them on the counter-attack. And it may be difficult for Brendan Rodgers to, to plan for uh, defensively for the game coming up because obviously Martin Waghorn kind of returning from injury last weekend. Will Kenny Miller start? There's that sort of discussion about it, but perhaps then it, in a way it might make, make it even easier for Celtic. Paul will just plan with what Celtic are going to do and focus on that. I think, by and large, that's what he will do. He'll look, he'll have a game plan for how he wants to take the game to the opposition. Um, you know, Kenny Miller, I would be surprised if he didn't start, just the fact he scored a couple of goals for me. You know, he might not last the 90 minutes, but he's just, he's got maybe that experience that, you know, any team's looking for, that, again, for a, for this game, that some of the players who have maybe just joined, you know, moved to Ibrox in the summer, they, they'll be looking for Kenny Miller's experience. So he, I would expect maybe him to, to start, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking our, our back four should be able to manage that. But talking of leadership and experience, as you say, Paul, you know, in the Celtic team, I think we've always looked to Scott Brown in these type of occasions, but now we mentioned Colo earlier, we've got other players like that to come in and take and sort of share that burden of responsibility, which I think is going to be vital. And uh, I was speaking to Colo as well. Uh, during the course of the interview this isn't actually included in it but I was saying I'd watched him at, at training and after training he was speaking to Scott Brown and he corrected me and he was like no no Scott Brown was speaking to me <laughs> and he says like every day for the past couple of weeks Scott Brown's been kind of speaking to him and filling them in a bit you know the, the, the game coming up at the weekend and then the Champions League and everything how much it means to the club so it really, you know, it seems as if there's this kind of central core of unity going through the side where everyone is on the same page and uh, really looking forward to this match. I, th- I think it's, it's it's probably good for Scott Brown. I mean, I think he's, he's form this season has been exceptional. But in a way, he's the kind of leader, right, the fulcrum right in the centre of the park. But then he knows that at the back, there's a guy there in Colaturi who is organising that back four constantly throughout the game and I, I think that can only help and the more you always hear managers and players saying that the more leaders on the park the better and, and you're absolutely right Mark I think when you have somebody of call to his experience behind Scott Brown I think that you know the captain can only you know thrive in that There's a debate on that just now about the uh, the England captaincy about whether Rooney should or, or shouldn't 
maintain it but the one of the arguments with that is you should have a team full of leaders and a, a lot of the successful teams in the past have had that and I, I think what's also going to be interesting f- for us Martin is uh, this the selection uh, headache that Brendan Rodgers has particularly up front now does he go with the two strikers does he go with Lee Griffiths and Moussa Dembele uh, or does he go with the one striker uh, and I think it's it's really encouraging the, the words we've been hearing this week that Lee Griffiths and Kieran Tierney are going to be fit for the game too uh, so crucial to us obviously disappointing for them that they had to pull out the Scotland squad but um, lots of selection positive selection headaches for Brendan Rodgers across the field and I think we're all going to be eagerly anticipating that starting lineup on Saturday morning and you know that if Lee Griffiths does get the shout he's going to be fired up for this game I think he's fired up for every game. I just, I, you know, for a long time, you just feel he's going to score in every game, and he is, you know, fast approaching a hundred goals for Celtic, which is just an incredible record. There's only a select band that have done that, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced he's going to be the next guy to hit a hundred. Hello, I'm Paul Cuddihy, editor of the Celtic View, and joining me for this section of the podcast, Celtic, Celtic, that's the team for me, is Celtic fan from Dumbarton. David Curry, thanks for joining us on the Celtic View podcast. Pleasure to be here, Paul. Now, the first question I always ask the guests on this part of this, the podcast is, what is your earliest Celtic memory? Earliest one would need to be the first game I went to, which was in the 86-87 season. It was against the United, one each. Um, season was done, it was April. Um, Rangers already won the league. Uh, Brian McClare scored don't remember that much about it but I've got a lot of vivid memories from the following season the centenary season for I went to a lot more games and a lot of good memories from that year so. and what age would you have been for that game? so for my first game I would have been six so I'd have been primary two um, but I remember my dad used to park up Fielding Street and walk along London Road and it was quite a quite an exciting walk along as you see the stadium kind of come out from the distance so it was um yeah, it was it's a great experience. And that was you for life? Pretty much hooked, yeah. I mean, you were hooked before that anyway, as soon as you get your first Celtic strip, but um, as I say, that's the first one I really, first real memory I've got of Celtic, you know. And growing up then, who would have been your first Celtic hero? First Celtic hero was Packy Boner. Back in my younger days, I fancied myself as a bit of a goalkeeper, and had all the goalkeeping kits and gloves and whatnot, and uh, Packy Boner was a big hero of mine. Um, I remember going to a game in the centenary season, it was a midweek game against St Mirren and running down to the tunnel as Packy was coming off, off the pitch after training to start the game and he gave me and my friend a big thumbs up and we just thought it was magic so um, yeah, Packy and then as I started to learn about a goalkeeper he started looking after the strikers so the guys like Frank McAvaney and, and Andy Walker so and you obviously didn't turn out to be a goalkeeper either. Obviously didn't, Paul, no. As you, as you well know, I'm much better outfielder <laughs> than goals, so... You don't have the stature? No, not quite. As, no, as well? No. Um, one question we always ask, obviously, looking at your own hero, but if you could go back in, in to any point in Celtic's history and see a player in his prime, who would it be? I think the, the big one that springs to mind is obviously Jinky, uh, being the greatest ever sell, and when you watch your videos back, just looked outstanding, just something completely different from anything we see these days. Um, so Jinky would probably be number one but he'd be very very closely followed by Diglish again when you watch back in the old videos and like talking to your, your dad or uncles or whatever cousins said Diglish had absolutely everything in a centre forward and, and you know the strength the pace the finishing so he'd be somebody that you know I'd really love to see and, and also not long after Diglish when Nicholas first came through 
again watching back you, you see the absolute class he had so the three of them but as I say probably Jinky would just just nip it ahead of Kenny I think and did you have your dad saying oh you know you, the players nowadays aren't, aren't the same as when uh, I was watching yeah, them yeah and in fact you know I, I asked him the question who he would get back and obviously seeing Jinky so he said Jim McGrory but yeah. I think having not seen Jinky I think I'd want to see him first but yeah you get that all the time you, you, you've not seen players like that but we have it in at Arsenal so um, exactly. We, we can't complain too exactly. much. Exactly. Now, and this is always a difficult question, I think, because you know the amount of games that you'll have seen over the years since you first started going. Is there a, a favourite game that you could pick out of all? Um, that's a bit of a struggle. Uh, probably a few sticking stick my mind. Going back to the centenary season, I was there. I was there a day we won the league against Dundee, but the day of the cup final was was a great day. It was glorious sunshine and. My dad only told us the morning of the game that we had tickets to go, and so it was just that excitement when I found out we were going up, and then the two late goals from McIverney, it was just, Hamden was just bedlam, mm-hmm. um, and it was the first time I'd experienced that that type of atmosphere, um, so that really sticks in my mind. The day we stopped to 10 um, was another big one, um, a, a bit nerve-wracking, but and, you know again the celebrations were, were absolutely outstanding. When, when Larson put that one in early doors and the, the place just erupted the 6-2 game just for obvious reasons and the Barcelona game a couple of few seasons ago um, those are probably the four that stick in mind how, how do you choose one out of them? I don't know I mean had we I was in Seville and had we won in Seville that would probably yeah. that would probably nip it but because we get beat unfortunately that's probably not not the best one No, but those are four, four good games to be I, fair I, I, nobody can disagree with no, any of them definitely not the final question again it's it's one and everybody has their own choice if if there's like either somebody who is either much maligned or even underappreciated you felt that, that you would like to kind of mount a defence of it's, it's probably a couple not so much that we need a defence but just that they were they were great servants certainly in my time um, you know Tom Boyd obviously came at a very difficult time in the club played through a lot of managers and you know came out the other end where a few trophies, he was part of the team that stopped to 10, he was part of Martin O'Neill's early team um, and, and obviously he's a great ambassador for the club now and people probably maybe don't appreciate just what he's done for the club but as I say through very difficult times so maybe Tom Boyd and another one who had, again possibly wasn't underappreciated as such but just maybe overshadowed was, was Jackie McNamara so again you know, I got a testimonial but that was probably more to do with the length of time he was there but he came through with Tommy Burns and he was in the shadow of guys like Pierre and Cadet and De Canio and then was part of the instrumental on the team that stopped the 10 and then he was still there through Martin O'Neill's era and guys like Larson and Sutton and Hearts and Lennon all these big names but McNamara was a constant through those years and constantly been part of a successful Celtic team so so probably one of those two Yeah, two good Celtic men as well yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, good choice. Thanks very much, David, for joining us on the Celtic View podcast. No problem. It's a pleasure. Next up in the Celtic View podcast, it's Hoops manager Brendan Rogers, who, in front of a packed media room at Lennox Town, addressed Scotland's press ahead of Saturday's Glasgow Derby. Now, it was a busy room, and all of the nation's media were there to talk to the Celtic boss ahead of what's shaping up to be a massive game. And right now, you can listen to a clip from that press conference. Every Derby's different. I haven't experienced Derby's before. Uh, there's a uniqueness to each one. 
Um, and this is one that, again, is, is iconic throughout the world um, and one that I'm really looking forward to. And as I said, thankfully, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be stood on the side, being able to, to coach and manage a team playing in it. And uh, I'll be very proud, of course. And then you've been in big ones down south, mm. Swansea, Cardiff, Liverpool, Everton, Liverpool, uh, sorry, Man U as well. How much do you kind of draw on that experience for what is no doubt going to be a powder keg come Saturday to keep your players in check? Well, it is. It's you know the intensity needs to be there in your game, and but you also need to have the the cool mind to think in the game tactically. You know, my experience tells me that you know the teams that play with that coolness and um, that composure will uh, can come through and play well because it's important to perform well. The idea is to win the game of course um, but like I say each game is different you know the Merseyside derby was a fantastic game you know the South Wales derby again different in its own way great games to be involved in as you say Liverpool Manchester United a uh, real city rivalry um, and this year being a different one again, so uh, but it's a special game. I'm really looking forward to it. I think I know, I know the team are, you know, from where they were back a few months ago. I think it's a, you know, a different team and a different identity within it. You know, huge confidence in the team, but always mindful that we're respectful to the opponent who we're playing, and that we know that we have to, uh, we have to work well in order to get the three points. Given the, the calibre of players you recruited in the summer, there's an expectation in certain quarters that Celtic should win this game. Is that a fair expectation? I think when you're Celtic and you play every game, and especially at home, that is what I expect of you. So we don't run away from it. We're not, we're not running away to say that uh, we don't want to be the favourite for the game. Because whether we were playing Rangers, Aberdeen, St Johnson, Hearts, whoever we play at home, uh, our objective getting into the game is to win and like as I said it's a huge game it's a big game but it's another game where we want to win and win well and, and win playing how we work so uh, so for us every game that we play at Celtic Park we, we want to win So Brendan Rodgers speaking to the media at Lennox Town there about the desire for Celtic to win every match at home regardless of the opponents that are playing against and Paul that uh, philosophy is obviously just going to be the same on Saturday for the Glasgow Derby. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the philosophy will be to try and win every single game, whether it's home or away. But certainly, you know, I think any manager wants to have that idea of a fortress, you know. So Brendan Rodgers obviously wants this place to be somewhere that's intimidating, where teams come and they just don't expect to get anything from the game. And I think it's important as well, you know, if it's a great start in the league but he'll also want to put down a marker in terms of that kind of city rivalry and, and just take a step ahead. We've got a game in hand as well, and it's a big, big game. And interesting, you know, that you know we heard earlier on, Scott Sinclair obviously experienced the, the South Wales derby, so the Brendan Rodgers, but he's also the experience of the Merseyside derby, and also that rivalry between Liverpool and Manchester United. So he knows what big games are all about, and... You know, you just get you just get the feeling he's that kind of he's a big game personality, Brendan Rodgers. So I think he'll thrive on this game, but I, I think he knows how important that is just to to win the match. And Mark, you know, he's as Paul mentioned there, he's been involved in a couple of really big derbies in British football before. Um, it kind of seems as if he he has the experience going into this that at least he knows how to prepare himself mentally. He can't really dictate what's going to happen on the pitch, but he has himself in the right frame of mind. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously experienced a lot of 
great atmospheres in these derby matches. Liverpool, Man United, uh, been the the most recent one for him, and of course at the Celtic Musical, he experienced a thunderous atmosphere as well, <laughs> um, which was a, a fantastic event uh, that the, the manager attended uh, on Thursday night. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, from what he was he was saying at the press conference, Martin, it's about showing that intensity on the pitch, uh, but remaining calm as well. So a combination of being aggressive, being determined, but you know, been able to implement a game plan within that too. So I think that'll be, you, you, you know under Brendan Rodgers that the players will be well prepared, well geared up for this game and uh, hopefully they can show that coolness in a really intimidating environment and, and get the three points. I mean, the manager himself seems to sort of uh, showcase real coolness and composure. Cause we, we were in the, the press conference yesterday covering it for at Celtic FC and for the Celtic website, and just, you know, it was the, the busiest the media room at Lennox Town has ever been in, in my sort of two seasons here. I've never seen it as busy as that at all. Uh, journalists from all over the world, um, America and everything like that, their film crews and everything, but the manager was just really, really calm. And again, it kind of goes to that mentality that he, he knows how to deal with this kind of situation. Yeah, and I think that's it's important that, you know, in, in the heat of battle, as it were, and he knows what the atmosphere is going to be like. But it's important that he exudes that, that coolness. But also, I think he'll want to pass it on to the team. I think he'll want to have cool heads because he'll have a game plan that he'll, he'll impart to the players and he needs them to, to take that on board. And almost, I'm, I'm guessing, that it'll be impossible to shut out that atmosphere that's going to be there at Celtic Park on Saturday. But by, like, he'll, he'll want to, and he'll probably been doing it all week, drumming into the players what he wants them to do and you know he needs to to keep them to stay calm but I think if they see the way he is then I, I think that obviously helps them because I, I do think you know one of the potential pitfalls for Celtic um, that I can foresee is if we do lose a man in the game you know I think that's always a, a concern going into these derby matches you know they're so intense uh, everyone's so fired up in the pitch that there is that Obviously, I think it must be in the back of the manager's mind. We don't want to lose a man to a red card. So I think that'll be really, really important. While there'll be challenges flying in in the opening exchanges, as both sides vie for supremacy, particularly in the middle of the park, that you know, we, whilst we are aggressive and determined, that we don't uh, go overboard and you know, we, we, we maintain the strategy and keep our 11 men on the pitch. I, I think discipline's a massive part of the sort of Brendan Rodgers school of thinking you know that his approach as a manager certainly all the players seem to respect him you know and they're they they kind of look up to him and they, they're taking on board everything he's saying and i don't really imagine anyone will be going out there with the the intention of thinking ah it's a derby i'm just i'm just gonna go for it you know they are the professionals are looking at it as a as a really serious match but also they're looking at it in the wider context of the league you know, if we could get a, a victory on Saturday, then it gives us a real gap at the top of the league still with a, a game in hand. And so you do you, you wouldn't want to go in and lose composure and with a guy like Scott Brown, you know, with so much experience at Celtic and so much experience at international level already under his belt, knows exactly what to expect in a in a high pressure situation. I don't think we've got anybody in the team that that, that would unduly worry me that they they would just be they would just go a bit off message you go a bit, a bit crazy I mean I think that you know certainly there's players and particularly in defence in midfield you need to win 
your battles, you know, I think, and Scott Brown's one of them, you know, the guys at the back, they, it will be a physical game and they need to, to win that physical battle. But they'll do that and, and you know, they'll do it fairly, they'll, you know, there'll be fouls against them, there'll be fouls for them. But, I, you know, I don't think anybody is going to, you know, just lose lose the rag or anything. You know, Scott Brown's got that experience in midfield. We, you know, we spoke about Kulo Toure earlier on having that experience at the back and they've played in big games where a lot is going on surrounding the whole event but they, they, they know what they have to do. And part of that is being physical, and that that's, that's fine, that's part of the game. I think one of the big issues is going to be for uh, the, the Rangers' defence, uh, having to put up and compete against guys like perhaps Patrick Roberts, Tom Rogic, James Forrest, Scott Sinclair, guys with pace and trickery that they haven't as yet encountered. Well, I think the opening 20 minutes is going to be really interesting, Martin, because Celtic have started with a bang, and nearly all their games this season, you know, starting with a real, a ferocious pace. Uh, we saw it against Aberdeen, we've seen it in, against Bersheva in Europe, uh, numerous occasions already in, in the campaign. And I think that, that you know, the visitors' defence is going to be under real pressure in the opening stages. Uh, and if we can get that early goal, you know, I'll give the, the whole team a massive lift. I'll give the stadium a massive lift and, you know, if if we do do that, I'll be really, really confident we'll go on and, and really finish the job. I think one of the most interesting things from from uh, Brendan Rodgers' press conference when he said, you know, particularly in reference to last season and, and the, the semi-final game, which was a real disappointment, he said, it's, you know, we've moved on, it's a different team now. And I think it's, it's maybe a judge of how far we've, we've come in a short time under his management of, of how we play at the weekend because we, we went into that game at Hamden last season as overwhelming favourites and on the day we just we didn't perform it was a real disappointment so it's a it's a, a benchmark of, of what he's done to the team but I think also there's a lot of players in that team that want to show that that was just a, that was an aberration and, and you know I think that will be on their minds as well uh, they'll definitely want to prove that it was a, it was a blip you know and it was it was a it was a different time a different team different setup so these guys will be coming into this game obviously riding the crest of a wave of confidence that has been instilled in them uh, by Brendan Rodgers. I mean, I thought that, obviously you guys were at the press conference yesterday, I thought the most ludicrous question which actually came to Patrick Roberts was the one about, you know, he obviously missed the chance at Hamden, and I thought it was just one of the stupidest questions about was that playing on his mind. I thought, you know, as a footballer you obviously move on, but, you know, he's, he's played in other games, he's played in bigger games, and he's scored goals, and I thought, why are you harking back to that? I'm sure he probably thought, what the earth are you asking about? Uh, one for? miss right at the start of his exactly. Celtic career. And he's, I mean, some of the, we were actually joking about this in the office. Had it been at the other side of the box with three or four defenders in front of him and, you know, like 20 yards out, he probably would have curled it into the, <laughs> the far corner, such as the quality of his goals. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Patrick, you know, dealt with it pretty well in the press conference as well. And I, I, I mean, it's, it seemed like a case of deja vu because I'm sure he's been asked that several times already this season about that miss um, and as he said I mean these things happen in football all the time and um, he got over it straight away because he's that type of person he just takes everything in his stride he's such a confident young person that he never gets phased by anything that happens on the pitch and he just moves on straight away so uh, I mean if Patrick plays at the weekend he won't be thinking about that at all he'll just be thinking about how he can perform on the day and try and help Celtic win and uh, hopefully, you know, I, I don't know, it'll probably still get asked to him again at some point, knowing sometimes how these things rear their head in press conferences, but uh, I'm sure Patrick will, will be full of confidence come kick-off. And every every player or ex-player tells you that they, they don't even think back to the previous game because they can't, the nature of of, of 
of that profession is you have to look forward because otherwise you, you can't move on. So once the game's gone, it's gone. And, and you know, you've over the years you've seen even players and managers who have enjoyed extraordinary success, but almost immediately there's whether it's a flatness or else they're then thinking, right, what do we do next? So, you know, in terms of just one instant in a game, I, I'm sure Patrick Rovers had I mean, I'd actually forgotten about it until I, I, I saw that the other day. So it's it's not the real Patrick Roberts story even this season as well the real story about Patrick Roberts is to be is being cut down in his prime with injury you know coming at the start of the season playing fantastically for Celtic uh, in the early European matches and then having injury and having to miss this really really important early part of Brendan Rodgers tenure as manager but now working himself back into contention and being you know with the possibility of starting in the first Glasgow derby of the season well it's it's really really Incredible to think that Celtic have been playing so brilliantly in the last few weeks and Patrick Roberts hasn't even been in the team because he started the season on fire. He really was the, the player who was the spark on the pitch for Celtic. And there was real concern when he got injured against FC Astana at home that, one, we wouldn't win that tie and it would really affect us over the, the coming weeks. But um, James Forrest has come in and done tremendously well. And to have Patrick you know, coming in there from the, the bench or starting in the game at the weekend is just you know, fantastic for Brendan Rodgers to have a, another weapon up his sleeve like Patrick and uh, as you say Martin um, you know he's had a, a fantastic start to the campaign and you know it's going to be really really fascinating to watch how he develops over the next 12 months because at the age he is he's just going to get better and better and it kind of adds to the you know the 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 idea of the strength and depth in uh, the manager's squad just now you, may, you mentioned Mark the bit uh, Patrick Roberts being injured in that Astana match and it was just about half an hour in and the, the match was still really tense and you're thinking, oh, Paddy's one of our main creative outlets. If he goes, how's this match going to pan out? Because Astana were a decent team. But the the team rallied together and uh, they played really well that night and got you know got what they needed. And then you look at this weekend as well, you've got uh, the possibility of Lee Griffiths maybe not being fit enough to start or maybe not being fit enough to be in the, the squad at all for the match. But... Yeah, you have faith in guys like Moussa Dembele and even Nadia Chifji would probably be on the bench, but you've got that really strong uh, attacking line, a diverse attacking line that gives us lots of options and guys are going to be really confident ahead of this game. I think we've got uh, you know plenty of plenty of possibilities in that area of the pitch. You know, the, even switching formations or tactically, uh, which we've done several times this season, and uh, you know. The way Brendan Rodgers prepares these teams, that you know he'll foreseen any possibility in terms of personnel not being available and will be ready to go. Um, and you know whatever Celtic team that uh, the Ibrox side are going to face at the weekend it is going to be a team full of attacking vigour, and they're going to have a real headache dealing with it. Well, that just uh, almost brings us to a close then. But just before we go, guys, I'll, I'll ask you for your score predictions for the weekend then. So. First Glasgow derby of the season, Celtic in confident mood. How are we feeling? I mean, I can give you my my heart and my head prediction. I give mean, us, give us both. <laughs> Six two has always got a nice ring to it, so it would be quite nice. And uh, obviously, we remember back to Martin O'Neill and just uh, setting down a marker. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would just say two 0 for us. Goal in each half. Sviatchenko first goal. You've heard it from me. Tip. There we go. That Mark. was a very detailed uh, prediction. <laughs> I thought Paul. about it. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. Um, you sure you're not a betting man, Paul? <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, 
head and my heart, I'm I'm really, really confident going into this game, Martin. I think we all have to be judging by the way Celtic have performed so far this season on the big occasion. Um, so I think there were plenty of goals in the game and I think it will be a Celtic 4-1 victory. Um, it's just a scoreline we've seen a few times uh, this season. We've seen Brendan Rodgers' team score four goals in lots of games and uh, I'm sure it will happen again on Saturday. Well, I, I kind of I tend to agree with with both of you there. I I do think that there will be goals in the game, but the Brendan Rodgers matches so far I think show that if we score two, we'll probably go on and score three or four. We've scored eighteen goals in our last five games or something like that. So that bodes for a, a high scoring match at the weekend. Um, as I say, I think goals at either end. So I'll go for five uh, one to Celtic. Decent. So there we go. I'll take any of those scorelines. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's a Celtic victory. So there we go. That's uh, the, the the thoughts of the Celtic View team ahead of Saturday's Glasgow derby. And uh, don't forget, if you're looking for any Celtic reading in the build-up to tomorrow's game, the Celtic View is the place to go. It's in the shops now. It's also available online. There's a couple of snippets of some of the articles that we've got in this week's magazine on the Celtic website. That's CelticFC.net. If you want to get in touch with us uh, about any of the articles in this week's magazine, they can speak to us on Twitter. That's at Celtic View. And don't forget, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, you can also comment on the podcast. So be sure to leave us any comments, any feedbacks, any idea or any requests or anybody you would like to uh, for us to speak to in upcoming editions of, of the Celtic View. We'll be glad to take that on board. Um, we've had some brilliant feedback already. Uh, our special Champions League episode reached the well broke the 1,000 listeners mark, uh, mark. So that was um, a fantastic achievement for us. So thank you very much for doing that, and be sure to listen next week when we hope to bring you another Champions League special from Barcelona. So from myself, Martin, uh, Mark and Paul and everyone at the Celtic View, thank you very much for listening. All the best for tomorrow if you're going to the game. Don't forget you can pick up the official Matchday programme which has the full extended interview with Colo Turi that you heard the snippet of. And until next time, hail hail.